Whether you keep them in your home or love to see them in theirs, these are the creatures that bring us all together. Reptiles. Reptiles. We're going to be delving into the experiences of reptile lovers from around the block and around the world. This is the Reptile Talk Podcast. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. And I'm Rob, and I'm creeping it real. So episode 46, we're getting close to our 50s, dude. I'm into it. Are you into the 50s? Yeah. Like the a nifty 50s? I like a mature. Oh, <laughs> wow. That's where we're going. I'm super excited because tonight we have... Very special guest. A very special guest. The Miss, amazing... Mr. Garrett Hartle the from The amazing Super Reptile. Dwarf King. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get Garrett on, in here right real on. quick. I'm super pumped for this episode. Boom, Hello, what up, is. dude? What's How's up, it going? Garrett Hartle. Could you guys <laughs> see me about two seconds before this? No. no. Were you chugging... A, a drink I, I drank this and then I was like hacking my lungs out and you're like let's get them on and I was like oh they're coming on right time Garrett just dying right now. swallow the corona I'm live <laughs> <laughs> just bury it deep inside like down Amazing. there with the emotions <sighs> I'm okay though we're ready cry. yeah no crying on live streams that's a rule Oh, oh, are we live already? Oh man, we are. We are live. We oh, are live. Oh, it's so just like everything else in my it. life. <laughs> <laughs> For the people who might not have known a little bit of your background story, what what got you into reptiles? What really drew your passion for reptiles? Um, uh, it's, it's got to be genetic. I don't like. So my folks weren't into it or whatever. It's some kind of buried recessive thing that came up. I mean. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. like the 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 go to story was like barely walking, talking, whatever. Grew up here in Pittsburgh, uh, went down to the creek. My mom said so I was probably a two or something. I caught a water snake and I had it mid section, mid body in my fist. Oh, and I'm yeah. squeezing the dickens out of it like only a two year old can. <laughs> like, like kid. Yeah. Yeah. And it's musking and peeing and biting me. And I'm saying, mm. look, mom, ow. Isn't it pretty? Ow. Can I keep it? Ow. <laughs> Amazing. So, oh, my. Yeah. Honestly, it's an all animals thing for me, um, but I'm allergic to almost everything. So mm-hmm. I got into fish and reptiles pretty hard. And then I, I also do a lot in life. So kind of lazy where I can be. And reptiles are way easier to maintain than fish. So I just kind of. Sure. And, that, and then I had like all reptiles, like a lot of frogs and stuff. And then I was like, oh, those are kind of a pain. And then, you know what I mean? Like narrowed <laughs> down, like, oh, lizards, you know, you got to feed them like the veggie eating ones. They're gone. Tortoises, yeah. iguanas out, you know, really? narrowed it down to like, you know, cricket. And and then later it was like roaches only because those were a little bit easier. So I still had all the odiatra and stuff. And then I was like, oh, I got to feed them like every day, though. And then it's like, okay, down, 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 down. Like, yes. Okay, only retics. Now nah, these are kind of big. Like, let's just only do the small ones. So it's the laser focus comes purely from laziness. Purely. That's honestly, that's fair. I'm I'm surprised that um, it took so long for someone to really step up and take hold of super dwarfs because. When I was looking at retics back in the day, I was thinking like, oh, man, the retics, they got so many cool morphs. But, you know, for the people who, you know, the average person, I think of like most of my friends who keep reptiles. I'm like, ah, you probably shouldn't have a 15 foot long snake. <laughs> like, <laughs> Just just based on pure the amount of muscle it takes to pick it up. Like just that oh, saying all your tw- all your friends are twigs. Bro? No, no, oh, okay. no, no. All just right. just that no, it, it wears you out. I mean, powerful. Yeah. 
I was just up there visiting with you guys at Nerd a few weeks ago and playing with all the big snakes and Kevin's, you know, super cool showing us all around. We're pulling all these big original animals out and stuff. And I remember I even said it in a video. I think it made it onto my YouTube channel somewhere where I was like, I feel like I'm like mainland retic uncle. Like, hey, guys, what's up? Let's play. And now I'm going to just feed you candy and leave you here with dad. Have fun. Peace. Yeah. My kids are like small and quiet over there. So Yeah. They're yeah. so well behaved. They just hang out at the bank and you're like. That's my kid right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And to, to be fair, though, there was certainly like a there was a very niche community of, of dedicated keepers with the super doors from the beginning, you know, and, yeah. and these a lot of them aren't into it now. Um, like Travis Kubis is one that comes to mind. We yeah. all talk about the TK line Kalatoas because it's kind of his legacy. Jason Reed was another one. Um, I, I mean, the gas bars did the jam stuff, but I don't think it was like all that exclusive. Um I, I mean, within their collection, Garrick DeMeyer used to really yeah. enjoy those, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, the, I the Garrick that, DeMeyer yeah. super, I still have some in, in the, really? the room oh, there. Yeah. All the old school stuff. Um, but th I think there was a progression that needed to happen with retics as a species, because mm -hmm. when I was a kid and keeping retics, they were awful it was like yeah you want a retic or maybe a nile <laughs> crocodile you know what i mean it's like wants to rip you apart yeah <laughs> it, it can and probably will try to kill you and <clears throat> i mean when i was dating uh ashley's my wife now i had a a like a full-size bed that was a bunk bed and the mm -hmm. bottom part was all built i built it myself the whole thing out of like two by eights and the bottom part was a big enclosure and i remember one of my yeah, one of my big females, like she was pushing 18 feet, which people are always like, oh, my retakes 25 feet. <laughs> Get out of here. You're no, like, no, it's eight, not. No. Eight foot is a monster. A big, and, big one, yeah. Yeah, and she was not like some nice, tame, whatever you're talking about, <laughs> like, like a real retake from the jungle back in the day, you know? And uh, yeah. she, she blew out a glass pane just by like propping herself up against the two yep. edges of the cage. Just boom, and broke out glass everywhere. Snake is cut up, scared, defensive, crazy. Mm -hmm. I ran into the room. I'm like, babe, help me out. She's like, no way. And closed me in. <laughs> closed the, like my only escape. Closed me in with this giant retic that's like spazzing out and injured. And I, I was kind of like, I'll grab the head. I just need you to like keep the tail off of my neck. You know, and she's like, neck. yeah, yeah, on your own. So Damn. anyway, the, but the met Garrett in person, he's like six, eight and like 225 pounds of muscle. Yeah. So he can handle a bigger tick like that. He can. <laughs> I take it that not all of your listeners can see the video on this one. No, 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 no. <laughs> but it's, it, no. You know, it's forced, that was a forced joke. or non-forced perspective. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. all I'm saying. There it is. No, I'm I'm more like the honey badger don't care. Like, little guy just run up and bite the African lion by the nuts and hang on. You know what I'm saying? You just like yeah. I mean, you guys seen the video how to get a retic to stop biting you. I got that 12 footer like chewing yep. on my arm. I'm like nah, nah, yeah. nah, chewing on her tail. <laughs> drop it. Yep. You know, yep. someone was talking about that today. They were they were saying, How did you figure that out? Because I was doing this, I was trying to find the alcohol, and I kind of remembered that video and I did it. And I said, now how how family friendly is this podcast? You can do whatever you, you want. Say whatever the fuck okay. you want, dude. <laughs> okay, okay. So my point was I was like, no, 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 you just need to know how to like work the room right so yes. if i'm in a bar fight i can be the little dude and someone could be whomping on me i could be getting my butt kicked but the second i stick <laughs> my finger up that other guy's butt fight's over you know <laughs> what i mean like, 
That's what I that's do with it, the retics. They're trying to eat you. You know what I mean? Chew on their tail. They're like, whoa, what just whoa, touched me down what? there? You're in a bar yeah. fight. You know, guys yeah. busting your face against the bar. You stick your thumb up his butt. And all of a that's sudden, it. he's that's crying in the corner. Just wants to go home to his mom. You know what I mean? The yeah, whole thing changes. You follow it so. up by pulling your pants down. And he's like, oh, I got to get out of here. <laughs> Honey it's badger don't super dwarf don't care. Super dwarf don't care. <laughs> you so. need a t-shirt that says that super dwarf, super don't, dwarf care. don't care. Uh, yeah. I might have to work on that. I might have to work it. on That'd be it. Awesome. There you go. <laughs> Hell yeah. No, but the I think the progression was like <clears throat> originally all those old school retics for those of us that kept them like pre-90s, there was no captive bread retics. It was yeah. all wild caught stuff, and they were usually quite awful. You know, especially because when you get them in, you're like, okay, let's take this 16 foot retic and and treat it for worms. That'll be fun. You know what I mean? Uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, the, the kind of stuff that people don't really think about happening. And that was how I got my start with retics. Um, <clears throat> and then as the captive bred thing came in, people realized these are just big, mushy teddy dogs, te teddy bears, puppy dogs, uh, teddy dogs, whatever you, dogs. whatever you like yeah, to sleep puppy, with at night. Yeah, puppy, puppy bears. bears. That's that's <laughs> that sounds like another good animal to shrink down for the pet trade. That would be a good one. That's puppy terrifying. bears. Yeah. So, but Rob but anyways, would, Rob would have twenty. There you go. <laughs> yeah, puppy bears. You got to get some. I've got the polar ones. <laughs> but oh, uh, man, wouldn't that be cool? Little tiny polar bears running around. You know? No. <laughs> I think it'd be badass. Rob, Rob on, already no. doesn't like mammals. Dogs, mammals so. are too much for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, like we already know, they're always too much for me. But yeah, once they were <laughs> once they were tame, all the guys that were pretending to be hard got them, and they're like, "Look at yeah. my big snake." Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, really, I mean, retics are like they they you know they leave you. They're fine. You know what I'm saying? You get a captive yeah. red retic, you raise it up. It's it's totally fine. It's not, and it, it's not really it not. Outside of its feed response, they're not an intimidating animal once you understand them, you know, because they're very communicative. They work with you. If they're having a bad day, which they do, they'll tell you. They're not like a green anaconda that's like, I'm fine. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly. No, they're just oh. like, hey, don't touch me. And this is how I feel. So they're pretty easy to work with. But I think all those guys, they had to get them because they could never have them before because they were like big, scary guys, but they're actually chicken when it came to the big retics. Then they got them. They looked tough for a while. They, you know, the whole culture had to go through that. Like retics are, are big. Look at me. I'm so cool. Why would you want to have a super dwarf? You know, why would you want a retic if it's not going to be big? Yo. You know, and, and I think everybody's over that. Like everyone knows they're nice. Nobody looks hard from having a giant retic anymore. In fact, most of the time, you have a giant re you you're basically falling prey to all of the 13 year old keyboard warriors that are like your cage isn't big enough and it doesn't matter yeah. how big a cage you have they're gonna say it, it doesn't matter you yeah, know yeah. and so that you just get followed around by little kids being like you're not enough you're not enough of a man you say you love snakes but i don't you put that thing you know and i mean i'm not saying they're even wrong i'm just saying that's what it's like these days you know yeah yeah but but now I think people are are finally able to see that the animals are like I mean I, I Jeremy you have retics Rob not so much they're cool animals I got one they yeah. are really cool well and people get one they fall in love with it as a baby you know what I mean like it's two months old it's not yeah. giant yet and you're just like wow this is such a cool snake to have I love it yeah. you know and then they grow to these 
gargantuan sizes and they become too much to take care of again, you know, but if you could keep them small, you know, I, I mean like a, a retic that's five feet is a thousand times cooler to me than a corn snake. That's the same size, you know, that's yeah. five feet or whatever, because yeah. it's just got so much more going on upstairs. So I don't know. Yeah. They're, you know, the, the people that liked them, they always liked them a lot. A big part of the thing too, was like in the nineties, <clears throat> On the coattail, I'm still choking up that coronavirus. Um, <laughs> it's a good thing this is remote. I think I got it from you guys anyways. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I mean, we were in a small room together for a few hours. So. I don't have coronavirus for everyone that's worried about it. I just I inhaled my drink. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, during the 90s, as retics were being bred, nobody even looked at the localities, A, because they were all one species, which is kind of silly because they cover like 17,000 islands, you know, almost from India to Australia. You know, you, they're not all going to look the same with a, a range like that. Look at boas, how diverse they are, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, B, it was all about the morphs. And so super dwarfs just kind of became, especially with that name dwarf and super dwarf, it almost sounds like pastel and super pastel or whatever. Yeah. So they just kind of became like one more variety that you can get them in. But but any morph superdors, a lot of people don't understand. Those are those are crosses, you know. Those are from islands crossed into <clears throat> into the stuff. Because with the one exception being Annery, I think is the only morph that has been like maintained pure dwarf or superdorf mm. from the beginning. You know, everything else, and even Annery is mostly crossed out. So it's like find a unicorn to find a pure one. But um, yeah, everything got crossed out and almost lost. You know. So, especially when that, um, when the ban came through, uh, disallowing any importation of retics anymore, and we couldn't get these out their whole collections and shit. Everybody that had them for money just panicked and sold everything. And all of those animals, I mean, do you remember how popular berms were in 2010? They were like, you could get them for like $25. Everyone's trying to give them away, accidentally breeding them all the time. And then, uh, <clears throat> and then after the ban, everyone got rid of them all. They were dumping them, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely dumping them. And uh, and then it was like a couple of years later, like you can keep it again. And everyone's like, oh, you know what I miss is my berm. You know, I probably got rid of them all prematurely. You know, I'd like to go get one. And now no one has them. And I was yep. amazed. I was really sad actually to see people had thousands, tens of thousands of Burmese. And after like a couple years of you know, during the U.S. arc fight for trying to make sure that they'd be legalized, where did they all go? I think they all died. I think they all died because they all became undesirable. Yeah. And and the second I, a reptile is undesirable, people set it aside, and that's sad to me. You know, that's yeah. very you know. So yeah, that it I, was it was ridiculous because you'd see <clears throat> these people who had giant berm collections that they've been building for twenty years or you know like 10, 15 years. And then as soon as that ban went through, they were just like, get rid of every, I don't care where it goes, just get it out of here. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, you know, when they became legal again, there was a lot of people looking to get back into breeding berms, but just finding them like any more, any of them for sale right. was yeah. ridiculous. And before the ban, you could get a, a four gene homozygous berm. They weren't common, but they weren't yeah, even expensive. 
Yeah, it was like 500 bucks. If you want an albino yeah. green labyrinth granite, you could get them for like 500 like bucks, 700 bucks. 600 bucks. Yeah. 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 And, I and now if you get an albino green, it's that much. And it, it yeah, yeah. people more. had to build up. <laughs> yeah. People had to build them back up from nothing. Yeah. So. It was, it was crazy. Like when I, when I got my, uh, my labyrinth mail, like the price tag, I think it was like around a thousand dollars. And I was like, for a berm. Yeah. Uh, this is post ban. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, because my first labyrinth was five thousand dollars. <laughs> it was albino though, but that was oh, way pre banned That yeah. was old school. Yeah, yeah. I love the labyrinths. Yeah. I thought they looked crazy. Oh my gosh! When the first hypo labyrinths hit, I was like, "This has got to be the coolest." So I'm not. I'm not a berm guy. I do like pretty much all animals. Berms are just about the most boring python to me, though. Honestly, they are. They are. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, and it coupled with like the how sensitive they are to diseases and stuff, I just ugh. and they and their skin is just saggy. They're just blobs. And and there's I I don't put any kind of reptile down because there is a reptile for everyone. Oh, absolutely. And, it, and if you're like a weird wheezy blob, berms are probably perfect for you. Actually, you know, Rob, I was listening. Right. I mean, the thing about pet owners looking like their pets. So I was actually listening to the podcast you guys put out for me. It was last week, probably won't be by this recording now, but um, I just got back from a two day road trip. So I'm exhausted. Um, My voice is shot, everything. Yeah. Right. Welcome to the podcast. But, (laughs) but I listened to your last podcast and you guys had me rolling because Rob, you were talking about, um, about uh, what was it like? Uh, Oh gosh, it was like the retic people that are like, oh, I'm oh, yeah, all big and jacked, and like, oh, oh, oh look yeah. at me. And then you're like, over here, <laughs> like, get out of here. Yeah, and then <laughs> over here we have like the frog people that are like a little bit cold and clammy, kind of dweeby. Yeah. You know, the arachnid guys are like freaks, weird, super freaks, super fucking. Scorpions weird. <laughs> are even super weird. And then you have like the bearded dragon crowd that are like, hi, I'm just bobbing at you, and look at me, I have a cute shirt on, you know, or whatever. And that's bearded dragon owners. And then you actually yeah. brought my name up. You you, you, yes, you were like, you. and then there's Garrett kind of in his own category here by himself. <laughs> and you had me rolling until that point where I was like, wait a minute, what's like, going on? You, know, you, you, you literally like called out every segment of the reptile industry. And then you were like, <laughs> yeah, and then there's super doors with Garrett. And it's just Garrett, yeah. Garrett Hartle by name over here by himself. <laughs> I'll be in Superdorf. called marketing. You got your Superdorf. Don't care. Yeah, thanks for the shout That's out. Right. I guess. That's right. <laughs> name Garrett Hartle synonymous. What did you say? He's like he's all wiggly and small he's or all something. Wiggly like, and he's, yeah. he's small. Uh, he's got, you know, is that a fat he's joke? Got a he's, got that, he's got people that really like him, and the people who like him like really like him. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else is like, hey, I don't get it. <laughs> See, you understand. Come on now. It's an evolution. You guys will get there someday too. It's fine. I don't know about that. I'm (laughs) actually, honestly, Rob, I I think you would like them because I mean, retics are cool, but the, if you do get in, cause I'm not just a Superdorf guy. I really like localities. The -hmm. only thing that's cool about Superdorfs is like, it's so much easier to have a hundred of them. You know, I, I mean, I don't know how many I have in that room right behind me, but this is like a little room in my basement. I've got a couple hundred retics. If those were mainlands, it would be insane. Yeah. But but I have I have seven different dwarf and super dwarf localities that we work with, and then four or five more mainland localities that I work mm-hmm. with. And I don't sell those or anything. I just keep them for me. Yeah. But 
I love all the different, you know, localities of them. And so Rob, you're big into the the scrubs. I, I dude, I love scrubs. And before I decided to just do Superdoors, scrubs were my last holdout. And the thing they shared in common was this, you said, you know, you're surprised nobody like kind of took Superdoors or whatever, but I, I started working with them because I, I love the animals. I can't believe people can't see the value in them for what they are. It's mm-hmm. like you either have to slap some fancy marketing on them or you got to, you know, make a cool morph to get somebody's attention. And you're like, oh, my gosh, have you ever just like sat down with a pure Jampea? It, they're fantastic. They're mm-hmm. amazing animals. And the scrubs are actually in a very similar vein where they're like they're super arboreal, but they're very like visually oriented. They're constantly thinking. A lot of people don't get them. You know, like a scrub python, it's not, it's not something that you – you don't just buy it like a like a bearded oh. dragon. Be like, look, I have a relationship no. with it because it's a little yeah. moron. You got to earn that. Mm-hmm. And and the super doors are like that too. Like retics are super cool, but they're just the the size of them and the the strength of them. It actually kind of like I don't know. It slows them down a little bit. It's yeah. you're not really like they're a pretty easy animal. I I would still maintain I don't know if this is like okay to say cuz you guys work with nerd or whatever but I would maintain that a retic is a potentially dangerous animal as in you know yes. I, you know yeah. I don't think it's probably going to kill you. I suppose it could, but it has happened, but it's very it rare. It really but yeah, it, it could hurt you. It could hurt you. It could be unpleasant. Um you know but and scrubs too. Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah. Like I got a love tap on the on the face from one of my scrubs. It actually was <laughs> video recorded because I was filming the scrub yeah. and talking to somebody and it just like whoosh, like this and it kind of like oh, raked no. my cheek with its with its uh teeth and I was joking around about it. Somebody got a hold of it cuz I I texted my friend who was always like I don't understand why your scrubs don't bite you. Mine always bite me. And I was like, it's because you're a loser or something, you know, like <laughs> they sense that, you know, some snakes sense fear, scrubs sense loserism, and they scrubs just go for snakes. it. They, they just go that. for it. And that's what I always told him. And I would jag him with it all the time. But this one got me good. It, it like, you know, it's kind of shredded my face. I texted him the picture. He put it online. And I didn't yep. see it till the next morning. I was like, no, you no, can't post bite pictures that. online. <laughs> yeah. And this was a truly spectacular, like you could see little sprinkles of flesh on my shirt. <laughs> and this thing just love tapped me. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, so they're, they're gnarly, but, but here's the thing. When you sit out and you have like a moment with a with gorgeous a bar neck scrub or something yeah. and you earned its trust Ooh. and you're chilling with it. And like most that. people like, I'm telling you, all my big bad, you know, retic buddies are like, dude, Garrett's a freaking boss. Look at him with this. Because I laughed it off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, it it was a pretty good bite, but it's a, it's still at the end of the day, it's a snake bite. It's not. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, you, you know, if you really want to get hurt by animals, keep a dog or a horse. Like I, grew horse. Up I was going to say, you got my horse. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I have nothing to show for all the crocodilians, venomous, you know, reptiles, big reptiles. Not really anything to show for it. Horses and dogs, couple of years, whoo, they'll push yeah. you through the paces. Yeah. But it, but yeah, that was uh, so scrubs. I mean, I, I love them, and the super doors are wired like a scrub, they're just that much more arboreal, they're just that much more intense, they're that much more curious. You know, I think they are, um, I think they enjoy handling more than a scrub in general. Probably most scrubs are like, I'll tolerate you for a right. Time. 
So a super dwarf, <laughs> though, they're long, they're lean, they're scrub-ish in size. Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, you know, a big dwarf retic is going to be like maybe 13 feet or something if you get one from us. And then the small super dwarves are maybe like seven feet or something. So kind of like the smaller scrubs. Mm-hmm. But um, they're they're like a scrub that that enjoys being handled. You know, yeah. so, I, oh, my gosh, it's just the best of everything. You know, they're still <laughs> super cool. You know, you've got the. I love the locality stuff because there's like a connection to an actual geographical part of the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then you, the connection you can have with your animal, like the worst thing for me, I had a video of this on my, on my YouTube channel. I like, you, you know how retics, you guys work with them. You know how retics, like they don't like when you take their eggs away. Those yeah. are their babies. They, yeah. they will die defending their babies if they need to. And my sweet retics are great. They trust me and I can go in and, and pull eggs pretty easily. But what I'm saying is like those mothers, they are very good mothers. People don't understand that. They don't think a reptile could be like that. Retic mothers are like, mm-hmm. man, they're better than a lot of human mothers, you know? Yep. Um, and I, I had this clutch and she laid and she wasn't in the best health when she laid and the, the eggshells were kind of thin and they was just laid up on this shelf behind this thing in a weird and as I pulled it, there was like eggs that were bursting, you oh. know? And so the snake was wrapped around it and I'm trying to pull her out, uh, you know, off of this shelf where her nest box was. And there was just like egg goo going. And this poor girl, she was not defensive. She was not striking against me. She was panicked. She was traumatized. She was yeah. terrified. And it, it was like, I'm just like, oh baby, you know, and I'm being traumatized too. Every time I feel an egg just go, you know, I'm like, oh, my heart's in my stomach. And yeah. You know, like, oh, no, I killed one. You know what I mean? You just feel awful. And I knew that she was right there with me. And it, as traumatic as an experience it was, it was crazy to to go through that with an animal that most people think just wants to kill you or or is completely instinctual. And so I, I think if you can earn a, that connection with a scrub or a retic, you know, there's there's a lot to that. That's... That's the stuff of life. I mean, when you have an animal like that kind of trust you with its life and and want to spend time with you and share that space with you and stuff, and it's something like a snake that's so misunderstood, when you really get it, I mean, I think probably 90% of the people that keep these snakes, they still don't get it. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're, they're collecting animals, you know, mm-hmm. but when you, when you really get that kind of experience, Man, there's nothing like that's life. That's the stuff that life is made of. Yeah. And yeah, even sure. the bad moments, like that was a terrible moment, but it was a good experience. You know, it gives me so I mean, I'm I'm actually maternally incubating a clutch this year for the first time because I was gonna ask you how that's going. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean it's cool. I'm I've I've done it before, um, way back in the day, but maternal incubation was more like we don't know what the hell we're doing. So just kind of like, Oh <laughs> crap, there's a, hey, that's weird. And then you just <laughs> try to figure out what to do for three months. And you're like, Oh, there's babies now. Oh crap. Wow. I, I see heads. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. That but years ago, did, did yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, so I've wild. always wanted to do a retakes, but I was just yeah. chicken, you know? You yes, yeah. yeah. I feel like I have to, be in control or something like which is stupid i mean the snakes know what they're doing so mm-hmm. no it's going really good it's it's i don't even know how many eggs are in there i don't know if there's a moldy one if they're all going good or bad don't even all, don't even worry about it literally all that control ours, stuff it just you don't know just yeah, we, mom doing her thing 
But you got to think like, okay, so for retics, we all know like food is everything for a retic until you manage to keep them through an entire life cycle. And then you realize like their breeding cycle, like food and reproduction are the strongest drives they have. Yeah, 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 for sure. And when you take that reproduction side and we're talking about what, how vehemently, you know, they protect their babies and how intense they are about it. And they're wired for that kind of protection and motherly instinct and you deny them that yeah you know it's you're you're taking you're you're taking a lot of away from them because yeah. so, it's not something they do all the time but it's it's incredibly strong when they do yeah yeah and so i've never wanted to take that away from my females but i'm like eh, you know but i'm a snake breeder and i'm afraid and i want to yeah. you know just put all the eggs in a nice row in the incubator and put them in and know exactly what's going on yeah. um but but that egg bursting experience when that happened I said, you know what? I'm going to revamp everything I do with incubation. I'm going to have a totally different style for artificial incubation, which I've shared on YouTube and a lot of philosophies on that stuff. But the big thing that I've been doing, which I think I don't think a lot of people realize about why I'm doing that, was just to prepare myself for mass internal, maternal incubation, rather. I would rather let all those girls, because it's not as much about the babies, it's about the moms. And I want them yeah. to go through that at least once in their life, you know, every time if they can yeah. um, for the experience of it. So, yeah, it, yeah it's cool. cool. Was when uh, when our female when the baby started to hatch, like as soon as the first one pip, like you get that tight beehive when they lay the eggs and everybody, mm-hmm. everything's all piled up and she's all sitting on you know, head on top and everything. And you'll see her twitching and, you know, making a little bit of heat there to adjust the temperature. You'll see her lifting her her coils to adjust for humidity and everything. But as soon as the first head sliced through the egg, it's like she just relaxed and she just came down along the sides. And you'd see a couple heads sticking out and she wouldn't be tight on, <clears throat> on the coil of eggs anymore. It was She was just barely wrapped around it. And then as soon as there was like five or six heads poking out, she just like completely let go and just was like, okay, my job here is done. How do they, you know, like, how do they know that? Like how you do squeeze, you know? yeah, yeah. once so they're pipped and you squeeze, now you're going to squeeze out all the goo and the baby's going to die. You know what and I mean? It's like, crazy. The goo, <clears throat> when, when the baby sliced through, so you know, like as a baby is pipping, it yeah. slices through and it's in there and moving around in the egg, the albumin from the egg comes out and it'll, it'll go down around the edges of the egg. And you're thinking, oh man, that's going to get all over the other eggs. This might drown some babies whatever's in that albumin was what was separating the egg. So as the top babies are hatching, and really, the are it's like off, melting off it's melting the... the glue so that the Whoa. babies underneath can come out. It was crazy. So I've done a couple crazy. things on our Instagram with that glue. I'm like, this stuff is amazing. It's got to be like 10 times better than spider silk, you know, and they engineer spider silk for like lightweight strength material stuff. Mm-hmm. I, you know, engineering that they do with that stuff is crazy i'm like man they really need to look at this yeah because it's crazy and it's amazing how it's made i don't know like we've had females that had problems laying before and we've had to like manually avert the eggs to try to save the females and they don't get it they whatever something magical happens when they lay the eggs the way they're supposed to that there's this thin slime around the egg that then solidifies into spider web like substance And you're saying the albumin when they're cut, because that was always a question, you know, because sometimes these eggs, what they do is they pile them up. They're not supposed to roll. Yeah. Yeah, So they pile them up and then they wrap around them. And and the the way they're glued together ensures that the mother can move and adjust and stuff without killing those embryos. Exactly. Um, And you're telling me that the albumin actually releases. Yeah. So 
the hold that that glue has. Yeah, as the top babies started to come out, it would make the eggs below kind of wet, and they would just, like, push the top eggs off. We we had, I think, one or two babies at the very bottom of the pile that didn't end up making it out because it was such a it was a huge clutch it was like 40 something 50 babies or something Um, this girl's tiny she's like i mean she probably weighs like 2500 grams i i think i mean i don't know i can't i didn't count but i'd guess probably a dozen eggs or something in there so yeah Yeah. Yeah, so that i think that's the only reason that those babies at the bottom didn't make it out was just because there was so many eggs on top of them but we had like a was a 97 98 percent hatch rate with that like almost every single egg hatched it's crazy and and it was very interesting because uh it was part by choice because I had talked to Kevin that season about maternally incubating and then it was part by circumstance because we had so many eggs in our incubator yeah, our incubators we were ran out of space we had four full-size incubators running at full tilt and we still didn't have enough room uh, when that female had laid and I was like Kevin this is our opportunity to I think it would make a cool video for when she when the babies do start to hatch and then also mm-hmm. I just want to see a bigger tick maternally incubate I, I just think that would be really cool yeah and it was very interesting very interesting because that's that's pretty similar to what happened with us we you know we were actually at nerd when she laid that's yep, when this girl that. laid yeah, I remember yeah. the phone call you got <laughs> and her eggs were stacked up like basically i have some shelf systems in there so that they can you know perch arboreally and stuff and so they they stacked all the way up to the top so they were like wedged between the the bottom you know the bottom layer of the shelf and the t- the top of the cage and she wrapped around them like that and that shelf has a little lip on the front and we couldn't pull the nest box because if you oh. lift it up on it you'd pop that top egg or squish it or whatever so we're like how do we get this we're gonna have to i was thinking we had to get a saw and we're gonna cut the shelf out you know what i mean rebuild it later (laughs) he was going all in there (laughs) yeah well and then the other thing is like if they're stacked that high they're not gonna fit in an egg box because it's been two days that she's been on it right and that that spider web stuff we're talking about it it can pull apart if you pull them within you get the eggs from the mom within the first 12 24 hours maybe but two days later you're not getting that apart. Uh, yeah. You, yeah. I mean, that stuff is, that's why I'm surprised you say with the albumin because, um, you know, that stuff is so strong that if you try to pull an egg off that pile, you will tear open an egg before it comes apart. So yeah. it's crazy stuff. I, I love it, you know? So it's very interesting. And, you know, if I, if we had not done that, I never <clears throat> would have known that that was how that yeah, kind of worked. worked. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I didn't know it yeah, until he told me, hey, I'll learn something new every day. Yeah. Hey, not, it's not, not a wasted, not day. A wasted day. That's, That's what right. I always say. <laughs> you learn one new thing to, in the day. It's not a wasted day. Yeah. So I want to know what what's your guys' opinion of it because I mean I eat, sleep, and breathe super dwarves and reach out reptiles and it's ridiculous. I push too hard. But what, what's your guys' opinion of um, you know super dwarves and as animals and then like the market on them and kind of where it's going? What do you guys think about that? Um, I you know I mean I think super dwarfs. I mean, they, they fill that niche part of, of the retake market for sure, especially as, as popularity grows. You know, you get a lot of people that show interest, but not a lot of people that can, of course, house a 15 plus foot snake. Mm-hmm. So you try to see like, oh, well, these come smaller. I've heard the term dwarf, you know, thrown around. So I, I feel like there's there's a niche that they can satisfy. But I, I also feel that, you know, because there's really no morphs thrown in thrown into the ring as far as a super dwarf market goes you know people want they want the bright yellow retic and you're like well you know i need 10 more years before i can like 
make enough of those to be willing to sell mm -hmm. that are small enough. So, you know, and I think part of that just comes from like, we've talked about this a bunch, like when you look at the, the social media trends and in, in the industry as a whole, the stuff that gets fed to just about everybody is be a breeder, make these really cool looking animals and these crazy colors and, you know, so it almost takes away from <coughs> just having an animal because it's awesome. Even right. The snake itself is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like a lot of the a lot of the lesser kept species or just lesser kept subgroups, you know, like super dwarf for ticks and stuff kind of just fall to the wayside a little bit. And nobody really wants to invest that time because they're like, eh, it's a it's a normal looking snake. It's a gray snake with some yellow on it or what, you know, whatever, because yeah. they just they just glaze over it. Um, but I, I do think as. um as more people are getting invested in it, it's just like anything else. As more people think like, oh man, actually that is kind of cool. Um, you know, that attention comes to it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, Rob and I have talked before, like, you know, what, what you personally have done with super dwarfs it, it, at the very least, the amount of attention that you've brought into super dwarf articulated pythons has, I think played a, a massive role on just the, the overall understanding of what they are, like and their their value and importance um in the industry and and just how badass they are you know mm. so i i think uh i think there's a lot more work to be done um but having that spotlight actually thrown on them gives them a little bit more validity to the unknowing person um and then to those people who are aware Maybe just seeing them a little bit more is actually getting those those wheels turning and being like, oh yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe that would be a cool project to invest myself in or learn a little bit more about. Interesting. Um, okay, yeah. I like the yeah, I like the actually your perspective is very similar to somebody had asked Brian Barchek on his podcast recently what his viewpoint on super dwarves were. And I think the way they pose the question, like, are Subidors the next big thing in the industry or what? <clears throat> and, and he actually answered somewhat similarly to yours, um, just about the, the colors and temperaments, not having the mainland colors and temperaments, um, and then lots of work to be done. And, you know, he kind of took that. He basically said, you know, uh, they have potential, but you, you would have to do so much mm. to get to realize it fully. What, what do you think, Rob? Um, cause you were kind of sitting there going like, nah, Jeremy, you're full of crap well, in the back. Well, no, 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 just there's, <laughs> there's, there's, that's why we make such a good team. Yeah. Well, because that's why I, I got to ask you both. Yeah. <laughs> there goes my mic. There you go. That's it. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I'm a little bit on the outside of like, that's why I'm asking you. I, cause you guys aren't like super door fanboys or anything like that. I, I want to know, know what you, know you guys crazy? think from the outside. The one retic that I've got is is, is a super dwarf, a fifty seven point whatever percent super dwarf, um, cool. tiger, Henry tiger, and so my like the way that I look at it, I feel like it should be swapped with mainlands. I feel like the super dwarf should, should be when people go and think about I want to get a retic, they should not think about mainland retics mm. because the average person I just feel like is not willing to invest the amount of time mental space energy actual physical space to do them justice like i i feel like you know i'm gonna go on the high side and say that like 80 percent of people who keep retics in the united states don't keep them 
well enough. Like you think that's the high side? I think you'd have to defend like how like how they really truly should be kept. Yeah, I would say it's higher than that. Probably, I'm 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 gonna go from a place of no, that's okay. I mean, it's a it's an (laughs) arguable point. You have to you know you got to have to define what's good for the animal. But go ahead. Um, and honestly, when people talk about they want a retic, I would much rather see people get a super dwarf or a dwarf than than go out and get the you know the mainland just because it's got pretty colors and it's like yeah it might have pretty colors but are you going to give this animal a good life for its whole life are you going to uh make sure that it's getting mental exercise and physical exercise and all this that and the other thing and i feel like the super dwarves it's much easier for someone who's interested in them to give them that thing that they need and that they deserve as opposed to uh, mainland where you know most people are going to be like oh an eight foot cage cool that's awesome and like i i feel like that just does such a disservice to to the the species as a whole because like mm-hmm. i'm not a retic guy but i still think that retics should be kept like well and like you they're, know, they're, they're a top they're, they're like a bucket list animal you know what yeah. i mean it, it would be like then, if you like, dreamed your whole life of of having a tiger and then you're like, I want to keep it in a in a dog kennel, dog crate, its whole yeah, life, and try to not feed it like, so it doesn't get very big. Like, why, yeah. why, yeah. why? Yeah, what's the point? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. So I I feel <clears throat> like um, right now where we're at right now, like right now, 2021, mm-hmm. in the reptile hobby, with how people view dwarfs <clears throat> at the moment, and how people view mainland retics at the moment, I feel like the people who are kind of taking the time to understand them, like the people who follow you, Garrett, I'll give them this. They take a lot of time to understand the animals that they're getting from you. They put in a lot of research. They look at, they don't just go, Oh, little retic, I'm buying it. And most of the time, you know, at least from what I'm seeing from people, they're super biggie too. The animal has to hold up. Exactly. You know what I mean? If they say, I don't want something that gets over 10 feet and then I sell them something that gets 12 feet, they're pissed. Yep. You know what I mean? So yeah, it has to hold up. But anyway, go ahead. No, just the uh, the, the people are putting in, putting in the time and research that I feel like they deserve. And when people buy a mainland or tick right now, twenty twenty one, what is it? We're February now. Yeah. Um, most people who buy a mainland or tick is just like, oh, it's got pretty colors. Cool, I'm gonna get it. Oh, it's a cow. Oh, it's an albino. Oh, it's a golden child. They don't mm-hmm. they don't really think about the like the, the macro picture, picture of, yeah. of what's going on with with mm-hmm. getting that animal and to me i'm just like that kind of bums me out um and you know seeing like so many people just get like they get one retic when it's little and they're like i love this thing and then they get 12 more and i'm like okay first off you're not thinking about where 12 more adult reticulated pythons are going to go that's a, that's a big one too because <clears throat> if you get one retic and you know it's going to get big <clears throat> and then you're like, you know, okay, I knew it was going to bit get big, but holy crap, this is big. Cause about nine foot is where people start dumping them in rescues. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. Nine, 10 foot. They're like, geez, it's two years old. <laughs> this is going to keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's getting hard to handle. Right. If it gets over that size and they start yeah. dumping it, but before it gets that size, like within the first year, I, I think now understand like, so I used to work at prehistoric pets and then I bred retics before I worked there. And I, I have sold, especially through prehistoric pets, 
probably tens of thousands of re, like over 10,000. We'll say that retakes, you know, lots of mainland retakes. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that go into their first retake, they consider they want to make sure that, yeah, I mean, not everyone, but most people that are decent human beings, you know, go in there and they want to do a good job. They're a little bit intimidated. They have a little bit of fear of the unknown and they ask you a lot of questions and they do a lot of research. Unfortunately, they're not educated in their experience. So a lot of times they're asking the wrong questions. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but at least they're asking questions. Then they get that snake two, three months. They feel comfortable. They come back and it's like, boom, 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 boom. I got, I got two, three, four, five, seven, eight, twelve, 12. And, and their first retake's not even a year old yet. And now all of a sudden it's like, do you understand what it would take even to minimally house 12 retics? Yeah. 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 You know, and everyone has great intentions. <laughs> everyone has great intentions, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that goes back to part of just part of like what I was saying, where because especially now so much of the industry is portrayed as, Look at this really cool, colorful snake. Like you can breed this and make more and make other snakes with really cool, fancy colors. Uh, you know, you get those people that are just like, especially that, especially when you think that retics comparatively are are not that expensive. You can get no, some really pretty no. retics for get not upset. a lot of money. People yeah. get upset because at nerd, I for, even for normals, I start at like usually two hundred dollars and go up from there. And people are like, yeah. "Well, I can get a normal retic for seventy five dollars," and I'm like, "Not from us, you won't." Because no, yeah. no you can you can go get them for free. It. Yeah, go build yeah. go build yeah. a cage. You can get adults for free any day of the week. Yeah, exactly. I, so yeah. I, I nope. think that I think that like has it gets people into that part where they're just like, "Oh, okay, I got one. Okay, now I've like you were saying, I feel a little more more comfortable with it." I really mm -hmm. like this animal, whatever. And they're such and they're great like, animals. They're, they're such great yeah. animals, you know? And they're like, oh, there's there's a really cool, like, albino. Mm -hmm. I don't have an albino. I need that. It's only 150 bucks. Yeah, let me grab that really quick because it's really pretty, you know? And, I, I, you know, I think that's where one of the biggest problems is because it's yeah. like, oh, well, I can mm -hmm. just get all these really cool, pretty snakes. And there's no, there's no thought of the future. Right. You know, even well, as you were just saying, like, minimal housing requirements. Think about what that is. Let, yeah, let me. So this has been an evolution for me, too. I continue to learn. I try not to be judgmental of anybody, but let's think this through for a second. You know, I mean, one of the cool things about the reptile trade is that it used to be thought where reptiles and fish were like disposable animals. Kind of. I mean, you think like if your kid's goldfish dies, you try to run to Petco and grab another one that looks just like it and drop it in there. So you don't have to have the death talk with your little kid today because you can't handle it, you know. Uh, and, and reptiles were like that, you know, people would spend, they didn't want to spend as much money on the enclosure as the animal. Mm. And when you had to have green iguanas that were $5 or you could win a baby American alligator at the fair when, you know, throwing a golf ball into a cup or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what it takes to house an American alligator? But the guy at the fair told me it won't outgrow this 10 gallon if that's what I keep it in, you know, yeah. but these guys are trying to sell you the 10 gallon. You won the alligator now buy the, the tank. Cause that's where I make money. Cause the alligators are, I mean, let's be honest, let's be really free, you know? So that's kind of the the problem with the retics. And Rob, you were saying that it, it's flipped. So if I might offer a little bit of insight, um, yeah. just having been on both worlds, because I love, I mean, you guys saw me at Nerd. I love retics. I love scrubs. I love bloods. I, I love the short tail pythons. I love all of it. You know, I, like, I love ball pythons, you know. Um, 
I love, yeah. No, I mean, I do. I, I think ball pythons are, are amazing. I probably wouldn't keep like species wise as a pet. They're not as interesting to me, but oh my gosh, my favorite thing to do every time I go to a reptile show, because I don't go to a lot of them, but when I go to a reptile show, I don't go look for all weird, obscure things because I, you know, I've seen the Shinosaurus. I've seen the, but what I want to see is the new ball pythons. Because you give that market six months and then you walk through and there's so many like brand new, holy (laughs) crap moments. Well, some of it is like that animal. I I almost bought one at the last show for five grand. It's 200 bucks now. So there's that holy crap, which I'm not invested. So that might make a lot of people feel a certain way. But to me, that's just really interesting. Um, The other side of it is like the people who who geek out. Kevin is a perfect example on what the genes actually do. And then they use them to paint these new things naturally and genetically. It's incredible. In fact, I take a lot of my inspiration for my retic projects from ball pythons um, because they're just light years. I mean, the retic guys are knuckle draggers, you know? So, so if I might offer some insight, first of all, Jeremy, you were saying like, Oh, there's this retic niche. And and I think it's, you know, the, the super dwarf niche of the retic world is small. I don't see it that way at all. In fact, I almost never sell super doors to retic guys. The yep. guys that really love retics, I mean, they they want to be able to feed their snake a deer from the side of the road. That's their thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't care about super doors. And if they get into super doors, they do it for the wrong reasons. It's because they're breeding the crap out of their mainlands and they can't sell all the babies because the market is not as big. Yeah. And then everyone, then when they, they, they get this let down moment where they're like, I finally made this new morph that I've dreamed of for four years. And I did all the painstaking work and I made the first whatever morph, you know, and then they present their babies to the public and they go, look at this fantastic animal. You know, I've lived, sweat, bled cried with its mom and dad over these generations, picked out my double heads, put them back together, did all this stuff. And then to have someone come and like basically spit in the face of that animal and say, does it come in dwarf? Do you have any dwarves? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's those are the people that get into it. And that's sad because that's kind of like the people like I've got nothing against ball python breeders, but if you're breeding ball pythons because you think you have to, because it's like the staple mainstream, get rid of those things. Do yourselves a favor. You know what I mean? Just go get it. Go get a side job delivering the paper or something. I don't do something else you hate. You know what I mean? Why would you bring an animal into that? (laughs) If you don't like them, don't touch them. Get away from that. You know, don't do that because you think you have to. If you love Savu pythons, go make the best damn Savus in the world. And we're seeing that now. White lips, Savus, ring pythons, things that were like a hundred bucks or whatever in the 90s that nobody cared about because they existed. Now they don't. And people are like just really getting into that stuff. It's super cool to see all these niche things popping up. But the Superdorf, the people who buy the Superdorfs, a lot of them are uh, carpet python guys, ball python guys. You know what I mean? The the big industries where these people they they love a snake around that size, because because I certainly have retics that are ball python size. I have retics that are carpet python size, and I have retics that are boa pythons or boa python boa size. Um, boa conda. Boa conda. Yeah. Well, go we'll make some. But uh, yeah, boa pythons would be way cooler. I just want to see how they're born. But IBD. That's just. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Rob with his like hybrid hate over here. Dark, dark humor. Yeah. Yeah. Here, but, um, I got you. I got you. Don't worry. 
Yeah. There so th- we go. <laughs> that is what's cool about the super doors is that uh, the, the snakes are the same. They're all retics, but um, you know, like with ball pythons, you breed for color, you breed for pattern. Now you have this weird, like, okay, scalelessness that's adding. And, and that's like ooh, a little bit too far for people. Sometimes controversial people love it. People hate it, whatever. But, it, but you're pushing outside of those two dimensions of pattern and color. But superdoors have been outside of those dimensions all along. Mm. Color, pattern, size. That's what matters. That's what dictates price. That's what dictates desirability. You know, uh, so let me educate you a little bit. And hopefully, uh, you know, I'm sure Brian Barczyk listens to all your guys' podcasts. So he can hear this too because I'll answer his question at the same time as yours, Jeremy. Um, you know, you're talking about the, the colorful animals are not available in the retics. They do take a long time. They do. Oh my gosh, do they take a long time? <laughs> yeah. And I've been doing it for 20 years. So talk amongst yourselves. You guys have YouTube now. So I'm going to show you something on camera and your listeners are just going to have to deal with it. But your oohs and ahs will tell them all how to feel as soon as I get back. I'll be right I'm back. I'm sure I already know which snake you're going to grab. So yeah. Which one do you think I'm going to grab? That freak that you hatched out this year? No, she's cool. But um, she's no, cool I'm going to grab <laughs> I'm going to grab an adult breeder female with okay. a crazy morph and I'm going to okay. show you what I can do. Okay. Right, so cool. talk amongst yourselves. I'll be uh, back. I'm, now an ad break from your sponsors. Oh, this God. is Rob is creeping a real and Jeremy Turgeon from Brassman Reptiles. Hello. And if you are enjoying this episode right now, you should go check out our OnlyFans. Uh, OnlyFans.com slash reptile talk. And I actually took some more pictures and videos to post on there. So I'm pretty Ooh. excited. Oh okay. wow, that was quick. I can't hear you. Uh, because if I put these on, she'll pull them off. We'll see what yep. happens. <laughs> okay, here we go. Not pull them off. Okay. This is six generations of albino breeding to superdors. Six generations. It's a visual recessive. So if you think every time you go back to superdorf, you lose all those genetics, you got to bring it back together. I mean, this this female laid eggs about two months ago. How old is she? Uh, she's about five years old, maybe. Ah, uh, yeah, five years old. Nice. So now this this snake, I would say, is a carpet python size animal. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. I mean, e- the, right in the middle. There's bigger carpets than this for sure. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Smaller ones also, but that's a, that's very comparable to a carpet. She's an albino hundred percent head snow. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Snows are double recessive, exceedingly rare. It, she's totally bleached out on the camera here, but, but albino being recessive. I mean, it's easier to get there. Six generations with a codom would be obscenely high percentage. Mm-hmm. This yeah. girl is a visual albino, which is where the, the, you know, mainland is where the albino came from, but she only has 12 and a half percent mainland left in her. You know what I mean? It's yeah. and that's recessive, right? So albino retics were some of the first out, first morphs, and yep. first into superdors. So this is careful selective breeding over a long period of time. This female is about a nine and a half foot female, but she's a proven breeder coming off eggs, 15 egg clutch. That's about what they lay. You know what I mean? I'll show you a gravid female if you're talking about, you know, like pure locality, and we can get these sizes with incomplete dominance. So Talk amongst yourselves. I'll be right back. So if you're very upset that you can't see any of these animals, you can also go to youtube.com slash reptiles and check out the Reptile Talk playlist so you can actually see. I, sh- I should have been narrating uh, it as as you went because that's, for me, when I listen to podcasts, that's the most frustrating fucking thing in the yeah. world is when they're like, we look at this thing. We didn't think would have it happen. And now video. Garrett is is kicking it off with, with some bullshit. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Hopefully everyone's still having fun. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Okay. This female is loaded with eggs. 
Now, this is just a couple feet shorter. That girl was about nine, uh, nine and a half feet. That other, the carpet python size one, very small female. Yeah, like, this yeah. thing's tiny. Yeah. This is ball python to rat snake size. This is smaller than a lot of ball pythons. It's like a large antaracea size. <laughs> yeah, and she's loaded with eggs. This is a reticulated python, guys, one of the largest species of snakes on the planet. And this is like ridiculously tiny. Now, I can get you a platinum this size. I can get you a mo- uh, tiger this size. I can get you platinum motley tigers, things like that. But, no, I, you know, I mean, I, I can't get you a, uh, a calico cow golden child albino. Not I can't get you. Yeah, not yet. So here's the thing. This is what's cool. The snakes are already cool. Let's remember this. This is this girl's just an anery. Um, but she's phenomenal because she's a retic mm-hmm. and we love retic. Look at her. Look how good she is. How she's so is cute. She? Uh, this girl is, well, she's about the same age as the other one. Four or five, so four that's years that's old. Cool. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. I mean, I'm like, she's loaded with, these are not young. I mean, they're younger, but they're not babies. These are, these are right. full grown retics. I can show you breeder after breeder this size. Yeah. That, I mean, I can show you 10 year old retics this size if you want. I could probably show no, you like thirty-year-old retic this size, but I, but it, I just remember uh, Jay posting a video of a female on eggs, and he's like, "You know, mainlands don't got to get big." And I was like, "How old is that retic? That retic is two years old." Don't lie to the people. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, well, or starved, yeah. and that that's the other thing people think like stupidors stay small because they don't get food or we restrict their food intake. I don't do any of that because I'm focused on the genetics. So if yeah. I could yeah. stunt its growth like an alligator in a ten-gallon aquarium. That's not interesting to me it's not, at all. I feed. No. Why would I even ask it's anyone not. to pay more money for that? So no, what I'm trying to do is like feed them prime nutrition, let them get as big as they want and see what their genetics do and work forward from there. Exactly. So, so let me show you what's so cool about, you know, you're like, oh, I want the crazy colors and all this stuff. Let me just, I'm going to show you a morph. Okay. Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> So I'm I'm actually I'm liking this a lot because yeah. I I mean I have my my perspective on this and a lot of it's just because it's social media like mm-hmm. I don't follow super dwarfs much much at all so like some of the stuff I didn't even know was like available mm-hmm. so I actually really like getting this uh, this lesson yeah so for the, the people man, on the audio the, the last one that Garrett had brought out was probably uh, the size of a large spotted python or something maybe four and a half feet and yeah. Not very right. big around, less than a Coke can. So you get a and load of that snake. Out, That's a pretty yeah, cool snake. That is now, a pretty cool snake. those of you guys that are listening on the podcast, you'll just have to check out Reach Out Reptiles on Instagram. Hey. All right. There you go. The, do you want to guess the morph? Pretty cool. Look at, I mean, right? For That's your it. view, for your non-viewing listeners, yeah. how, how does she look? You guys spend all day with retakes. What do you think? <laughs> Jerry, just well, now it's all washed out in the camera, but yeah. uh, it looks like tiger, platinum. <laughs> Uh, so it's pretty light colored. It's got a yeah. stripe down the dorsal. It's got like these little portholes. Or yeah, quality wise, though, you guys understand what a quality yeah. retic looks like, oh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Top notch, yeah. upper yeah. echelon. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're you're mentioning tiger, platinum, maybe some other. Yeah. What else do you think would take to make a snake? Looks like the little Burger King helmets down the sides. Look at the little Burger King hats. <laughs> Perfect dorsal stripe. Yeah. You know, as Tara would say, broken head stripe. Broken head stripe. Oh, terrible. (laughs) So this is a this is a tiger. But it it what is so cool about super dwarfs, this is a very unique locality blend of tiger. 
So she's mm-hmm. 25% Jamp and 50% Madu. Madus are almost extinct in captivity now. They were yeah. so, they may be extinct in the wild as well. They were some of the first super dwarves ever imported. Many of the, the snakes that came in as super dwarves were actually Madus. They didn't even call them Madus back then. They called them Honey Islands because the island oh, didn't have island. a name. Honey Island, yeah, yeah, yeah. 50% Honey Island, 25% Jamp. So the islands didn't even have wow. a name. So all the guys that like to be like Garrett Hartle spells his localities wrong. I'm like, you show me the written language that they're in and I'll tell you, I'll concede that I spell them wrong because yeah. it's all phonetic. You, you don't, you know, if you can Google it on a map, that's cute kids. But you know, I've been breeding these and working with these since before Google. So shut up. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Google doesn't get how I call these things after 20 years. So anyway, Madu Island, a.k.a. Honey Island, this is just a tiger. So this, to me, represents what retic selective breeding should be all about. This female should be about eight feet as an adult. She's ridiculously good quality. It's almost, people say she almost looks like a jag something all the time. I was going to say that she looks almost like she has jag in her. Yeah, except look, no wobble. In fact, she's completely healthy, outvert, out, you know, outbred, diverse genetics, all this kind of stuff. And so, For my all point, of our listeners, there's no wobble because he's already holding it upside down. No, <laughs> no that's a lie. <laughs> I had to. I had to. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so I mean, my, you know, my point is like good, strong, healthy genetics, selectively bred, exquisite results. And this yeah. is a tiger. So for me, Rob, you're talking about everyone's like, oh, you got to breed, you got to breed. And this this is not some double het mocha anthrax, you know, posset pied, whatever, that's not even valuable until you make babies. This is simply a tiger reimagined that's after cool. three yeah. generations of selective breeding. Now, I can show you tigers that look entirely different from her because I've taken that one simple incomplete dominant gene, three direct, you know, generations in another direction. Yeah. But this is what it's about to me. Yeah. It, it, you know that, what I mean? It's about perfection is... and refining an idea, a thought that you have about the way retics should be, you know, and it's, it's classic and it's beautiful. And I, I defy you to find a tiger or any retic out there that looks this good. And if it was a platinum jag tiger retic, you know what I mean? In Superdorf, it would probably be. A ten thousand dollar snake, probably. But, right. Yeah, but in Superdorf it would for sure. Because I mean, a yeah. mainland of that would be like twenty five hundred bucks, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I mean, but this just being a tiger, if I hold stuff like this back, I grow them up and I breed them out and I get whole clutches of these. Yeah. All of a sudden, people can have its simplicity, its beauty. It's almost a minimalist approach to keeping Superdorfs. And what I want, you like this look. You know, take that. You know, you like the the pure Karampa look and and that that clean, pure locality tie to the island that they came from. Take one. You like an albino. There's an albino. And now I want you to set this thing up in a in a 12 foot by eight foot tall, four foot deep jungle biodome in your living room. And I guarantee you that my life's work into making snakes like this will bring you joy every day of your life. Breed it. Don't breed it. Do whatever you want. This is an amazing... Look at her temperament. She's phenomenal. She's a baby. She's very calm. She's just like any mainland, you know? So I would say 
Jeremy, you know, Brian Barczyk, all those guys, the people who say, Hey, they've got so long to go. You're, you are right, but you may not understand how far we've come. Yeah. Because well, it's getting I, so, pretty freaking cool over here. Yeah. And that is why the market is exploding. Yeah. yeah, Garrett, I need to you come need to your to snake send me room. an invite so I can come hang. Yeah, and we need to come to the some, snake room. Some badass stuff. I, I told you saying, when I left, oh, when you guys left my podcast, you're welcome to come anytime. So 100 percent We down. need to make that happen. Because yeah. I was just saying to Rob, guys. that's dude, I want that. I, okay. I fucking love that. Now here's now here's the thing. Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying to Rob, when you were going to get that girl, I was like, I this I love this because I'm not like I don't really follow super dwarfs much at all. So a lot of where my viewpoint comes from is just from what I'm seeing from other people, which is, of course, very limited because not many people are working with them. Um, but uh, like this is this is the kind of stuff where I'm like, oh, man, yeah, there is some pretty bad. So stuff. the fact that that's just the tiger, yeah, it's just a tiger. Is this is how far you me. can take tiger. You know yeah. what I mean? Now, wait until you see me put her to a pure anery madu, what that does. You know, you you have an anery tiger, Rob, but it's this one's going to be cooler. You know what I mean? Um, and, and here's the thing. Like you guys work with with Kevin and Kevin is he's amazing, you know, but but he likes those he has big retakes. He has big uh, water monitors. He's got crocodilians and stuff like that. Even the smallest crocodilians, they take a tremendous amount of, of effort and care and they're not for everybody. And even these super yeah. I say all the time, like, mm, this is maybe not for you. People are like, can you guarantee me this is going to stay under six feet? And I'll tell you this, there are super breeders who would sell you one like that under that yeah. guys. Yeah. And I say all the time, that tiny female that I showed you guys, she's over six feet. That animal six and a half feet. I would never guarantee you that. I would say if you need an animal that stays under six feet, you need to get a colubrid. I say don't get her tick. Yeah, you yeah. you need a colubrid. <laughs> yeah. You know now maybe you don't understand how manageable a six foot retic is because a six foot retic is closer in size to a, like a. They're I mean they're smaller than ball pythons. Most of the people yeah. that come to me, they look like a ball pythons. They get four or five feet long, something like that. I'd like to step up in size, but just a little six, seven feet maybe. And I go, okay, like, you know, your average seven foot super dwarf retic is smaller than most of the ball pythons yeah. you have. Yeah. Smaller, yeah. longer, but wild. scrubs are the same way. How big, how long is your bar neck scrub? She wasn't much bigger than that albino girl I pulled out. No, she's probably 10 foot. Yeah. Yeah. 10 feet. That's like two feet longer than my retic. My retics are long and you know, but a 10 foot scrub is like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, she, if you weigh her, she's the size of a, a big, you know, if you have a big Volta ball python or whatever, yeah, they weigh no. the same. Yep. It's just a different snake. You can't compare it, Yeah, you know, or or you're, you can get a, you you have a lot of short tail pythons, Rob. Yep. You know, the, the short tail pythons, those are big snakes. Those are pretty oh, big. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But big I mean, <laughs> a, a four foot short tail python is big. Did you guys ever see that that blood python that I had that was eight foot four inches? I sold it oh. to Forest Manning. Red, oh, oh, that oh I've seen yeah, that yeah, snake. Yeah, yeah. Eight foot four inches. She was over 70 pounds. Jeez. You know, lean, not not <laughs> she's a monster. That's eight foot four inches. That little albino I showed you, I'm like walking around, throwing around my neck, like it's a ball python. That's longer than her. Yep. But that eight foot four foot, eight foot four inch Bronger's my was the biggest snake. I had in my, she, I mean, she was way bigger than my 13 foot retakes. 
It's probably one of the biggest blood pythons I've ever seen in my life. So I posted like, her all the time, I, and I, everyone's always like, "Force perspective." So I had one where I laid down next to her, next to her? Yeah. like no way, you know, like, and her head is going way beyond my head and <laughs> tail way beyond my feet, and I'm like, "That's not force perspective." She's like top down. She's longer than me. Yeah. So you, you know need to I mean? see if you can find that picture and send it to us so we can post it on Instagram. Yeah, for the reptile talk episode, I'll have to pull it up. Yeah, I may only have the cool force perspective ones of her, where she looks like she's about, about to eat a German Shepherd or something. But, but anyway, this is this is what I'm talking about: simple yeah. beauty. And what I am telling you is that the market is going this way. People oh, are tired of the noise. If you can make a four gene, five gene, six gene recessive retic, but they all look like you know, Kevin makes fun of uh, Jay all the time. Like, oh, all he makes is yellow bananas or whatever. But he's cranking <laughs> all these cool things. You know what I'm saying? After a while, it just becomes noise. You know, and when you think about the prospect of doing, even if you just want to do a simple two gene recessive, I've done projects like that in mainlands and I know what it takes, you know, and I don't think there's like people like to argue about sizes for adult retakes, what kind of size cage you need. But let's just think about it this way. Would you think that a retic probably needs proportionately more size than something like a ball python? I mean, ball pythons are pretty much known to be like the laziest, most chill kind of just sit in one place. Thing. So, <laughs> yeah, so a retic. Yeah. And, and they should have even a retic of the same size as a ball python should have a cage that was proportionately larger because they're more active. You know what I mean? They're, they're more in tune with their environment. They use different elements of it. If you put a 17-foot female retic in an 8-by-3-foot cage that's 14 inches tall, that is proportionately smaller than a ball python in the CB70. Yeah. Mm. But that's the industry standard. And I don't know, I don't understand the disconnect because everyone that's saying, no, my retic is fine in this eight by three foot. And I'm not trying to pick on these guys or anything. Like I, I get it in like breeder situation and stuff. There's pressure for space. And I mean, I, I, what I'm trying to do is talk to the people who are thinking about getting into it and being like, hey, maybe I'll do a two gene project. I can't afford a Mochino anthrax, but I can get this one and I can get that one. I can breed them together and I can breed their babies together. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys, if somebody made a Mochino anthrax and you want it, go buy it. Go buy it. Yeah. yeah. Don't Just wait. buy it and have it and be done. Love on it. Buy a 20 foot shipping container for it. And convert it into a cage, and you will have proportionately the same size as what, you know, like a lot of these, you know, if I get a six-foot uh, Superdorf retic, like that little girl that I showed you, mm -hmm. and I put her in a six-foot Viv, you know, six by three by two foot tall or something like that, that's not a very big cage. You know, if you had one snake, you could easily do that. And I'd give her, I'd, yeah. you know, I had the space, I'd give her 10 times that size because she's fun. I like watching her use everything. And they do. They're not like a green tree. They use yeah. everything. They're all over. I would love to do that. But to give my mainland proportionately the same size cage where it can just go stretch out its length if it's close Fine to 20 house. feet, it's a shipping container. It's a whole bedroom. Yep. Yeah. You know, so you can't you can't be like, oh, it's so cool. I have my own house. I have a whole snake room. Now I can have my 20 retakes. Where's the disconnect? One snake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's going on, guys? What's going on? So I don't know. I, I just feel like it, it could be a tiger or it could be a, that's a superdorf or it could be a mainland mochino anthrax or those calico cows you guys had there were amazing you know some of those albino citrus animals those are beautiful animals there's nothing against those animals but for the love of god if you're going to get one just get the animal keep it right first think about breeding second 
And if you haven't had a mainland retic, don't buy the second one until your first one's done. (laughs) You show me that you can keep that full grown mainland female for five years without losing interest, without having health issues, without having any of that. Then you can go buy a male and breed her to her next year if you want. But you should probably do that first. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and the people that try to make money pumping out mainland retics, there's a disconnect there too, because there is now I'm a moneymaker guy. Because the thing about it is if I, if I can make money with my snakes, it means I can buy more snakes or them yep. bigger cages or <laughs> fancy cars or whatever I want, you know? So yeah. that's great. But, but let me tell you this. How many people do you think can have a giant snake? That is the biggest disconnect yep. in the reptile hobby. Eugene Bissett the man the myth the legend mm-hmm. you know what i mean one of the founders of our industry if you guys don't know who he is we hung out with him in florida slap yeah. you through the yeah. radio you know what yeah. i mean eugene Bissett told me he said it was very simple but it stuck with me big snake small market small snake big market yep mm-hmm. why are ball pythons popular they're the, the right size person can hold them yep yep they're an impressive snake size wise you can still it's got some oomph to it it's not a little noodle it's not a little worm it's, a, it's like, yeah, big, chunky snake, like a blood python, you know, or short tail or whatever. Um, but it's 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 the right size, yeah. small snake. And and for as big a snake as a ball python is, they don't have a lot of space requirements. Yeah. So you, you can actually keep a proportionately larger snake in a very small cage. A ball python and a corn snake require about the same amount of space. A corn snake is like a 20% the size of a ball python. Either might want more. I usually yeah. encourage people to do more for corn snakes because yeah, you, you're probably right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I don't know where the disconnect is, but, but so, so that's the thing is, you know, and I, I might be biased, but I'll just say it. Superdors are the next thing. It's just, people have to understand what they truly want with reptile keeping. And, and I know I've said a lot of controversial things and a lot of like, I, I consider myself a retic guy. A lot of my buddies that are into the retics, I'm sorry if anything I said like offends you or it like strikes a raw chord. I'm not trying to be this social media, internet hater, judgy kind of guy or whatever. When I worked at Prehistoric Pets, I sold tens of thousands of retics. I think I can count on one or two hands how many of those I still know of. And that was only yeah, 10 still- years ago. Mm-hmm. And they should live 30, 40, 50 years. Yep. I don't. I don't like that. So this market, bringing it back to basics, educating. I'm making the snake that I know that you want. Somebody, uh, this is super cocky or whatever, but if you're getting into retics, (laughs) you don't know what you want yet. Mm -hmm. There are so many people that buy that first snake and they don't have it again because they screwed up big time when it comes to retics. I know what you want. I know what you're going to learn. I know where you're going to fail. And I know what you're going to adjust into because I've done it painfully myself a lot of times. I'm trying to save you the learning curve. I put an immense amount of time into educational content that I put out to help people think through these things and see the end of the road that they're deciding to go down. You you know what I'm saying? I, I, I pour into that. And it's, it's because I absolutely love all 10,000 of those retics. I, I'm, a, I'm so passionate about the animals. I, I absolutely love retics. 
You know what I mean? I remember a lot of them. Like, oh, remember that one with like the heart halfway down its neck? Oh, dude, that guy's side rosettes are like up on top. What the hell's going on with this thing? And he doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and that was my job. And I was a lot younger and, and much more naive. And I thought I was doing a good thing because the thing about humans, I know you guys like to dabble in psychology a little bit on this channel. The thing about humans is we always expect everyone else to be like us. Yeah. Mm. I, I expect people who buy a retic to have done their research to understand what they're getting. I mean, I had that 18 foot wild caught nasty monster exploding through three quarter inch thick glass to get out of her cage. You know what I mean? And I ran in there to help her and save her. She's all cut up and I, I'm, I'm risking life and limb there to, but I'm worried about the animal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I expect the customers to be like that. You know, 10 years later, they weren't. Mm. And that you guys that are listening. I love you guys. 99.9% .9 of you are not. You're not either. You can have good intentions, but you don't know. You don't know what you're getting into. So, this perfection of Tiger over multiple generations, simple, small, achievable. And I, my goal is to make these cheap too. They are expensive now. Like a couple, well, it was last week on our live video, we hatched Karampas. That's only the third clutch to hatch in the United States. We're the only ones I've ever bred them. There's five adults left. So some of these island localities are exceedingly rare. That's why I get really passionate about, whoa, don't mess with pures. Because they're almost gone. Yeah. And most of it's because they were outcrossed. And obviously, I mean, this is a cross, this tiger, right? So I'm not against, yeah, I know. I'm not against crossing. I'm not against crossing. That was the audience gasping. Yeah. <laughs> but the pures are on another, a, a, another whole thing. That's almost borders into conservation at this point, like 50% yeah. Madu here. I have for the first time in 20 years a clutch of Madus incubating. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if there's any left in the wild. If you you can go on your precious Google and Google that little island and go look at it, and you'll see it's all coconut trees now. There's no natural habitat left, mm. and maybe the retics are okay there. Maybe they're not. You know, yeah, but yeah. you don't see any of them coming into even like Indonesian forums and stuff. I'm a part of. Right. You don't see any more madus. It's weird. So. That's the thing about pures is like, you know, these are animals at honey islands. You know, you're just like, oh, I remember honey island. Did you know they were madus before today? No, no. Oh, well, yeah. maybe the last time you were when we when you were up, you talked about it. Before. Right, right, right. So so here's the that, thing outside of that. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing is like people are just learning what a madu is or what it looks like or what it and it's mm -hmm. already extinct potentially yeah, it's already crazy. pretty much gone yeah. so please don't try to be like, I can make more money if I say my calato is a, a madu. Or something like, don't do that. Don't do that. The Karampas, the the really rare ones. Yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna just like sucker punch everybody that is not into like pure super dwarf stuff. They're ten thousand mm -hmm. dollars. Arbitrary number that I picked, and I've released a few of them. You know, mm -hmm. this was the first clutch I sold an okay number because we hatched uh, nine. Um, that's a huge clutch for a Karampa because they're the smallest of all the retics. Yep. And uh, so I kept three, which you can do the math. I sold six. Yep. They hatched. They pipped the eggs last week. They're all sold. Wow. Yep. Did you, wait? Hold on. The real question is: Did you sex? Did you sex them already or no? Two point seven. Yeah. 2. 7. Great odds. 
I kept yeah, three females. That's, that's crushing it. Yeah. Yeah. That doesn't happen to me often. <laughs> most, of, <laughs> most of the time it's like, they all died. So here's the yeah. thing. The people that are like, oh, you know, oh my gosh. And here's the, if you want to buy a crop for me today, you got to get on a waiting list. You might wait like two, two years. three two years. years. Waiting list. Yeah. yeah. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to wait three years to pay you 10 grand. What this fool talking about? You know, what an idiot. But if I yeah. told you that it took me 14 years to get a clutch because wild caught retakes are not easy to work with. Even when they're small, they don't like to lay eggs for you. Mm. They love to beat themselves up. They love to have, it took me 14 years to get my first clutch of Krampus, which was 2020, just this time last year. One of my females was $37,500. So if you can wait two years and get them in 10 G's, I mean, just put it in perspective. What I'm trying to do is I've got the the unique ability through my super lifelong nerdiness about these stupid island localities and crazy little <laughs> retics to to amass like actual legitimate ones and mm -hmm. put them together with all that. And then the, the market has been good. You know, people love these. If, I mean, if I told you I was going to sell this thing, I'd sever. People are begging me to buy this little tiger, you know, and they'll yeah. – I mean, those calico cows you guys had were amazing, but I can guarantee you I could sell this for more with a phone call. And that's nothing against the animals. I'm just saying that people get it now. It's a brave new world. Animals, reptiles are not disposable anymore. People want something. What they, this is a bonsai tree. People want to grow this animal up its whole life and have it indoors. Possibly, I got a little cage right there. That it's like my 20-gallon. It's, it's a playground during the summer. You know, and I get my little, I, I sit here and I stare at a computer screen. I'm on a podcast all the time. I was editing videos for YouTube, taking pictures of snakes, staring at screens, 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 talking to people, 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 retail, 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 retail. And every now and then I need to go, and I need to look over and I need to think about a little beach with a little island retic on it <laughs> out there in the wild that someday I'm going to go to one of these remote islands because I've never even been. It's just an imagination and a dream for me at this mm. point. And all that stuff is, it's a lifelong dream. And if I could share that, you know, the connection that you get with nature, you know, because if you have a dog, you get a connection with an animal. They're great. You know what I mean? But if you have a reptile that came from this island on this little map that nobody's ever heard of before, all of a sudden you're, you're connected to, to uh, the people on that island, that culture halfway across the world, the temperature, the humidity. You know what I want to do when I get to that island? Everyone's like, oh, you're going to stuff your pockets full? Hell no. If those <laughs> sticks are still, I would rather give take my babies with me and dump them. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, what I want to do is I want to take my shoes off. I want to feel what that coral sand feels like under my toes. I want to smell what the air is like. And I want to see how these retics live. And I want to bring a little bit of that back to them. I want to maternally incubate my my animals. Yeah, I want to I want to give that back because I sold ten thousand retics that never got that opportunity. This is my penance. This is my penance, and that's why I'm so passionate about it because I think that it's very easy for people in the reptile industry to blame the big breeders at the top for the way things are. It's not them. You know, guys, if you look like it, you look at Kevin, he loves his animals. He's passionate about that stuff. He yeah. educates people. He tries. It's not 
them. And we can all do better, myself 100% included. My number one goal, biggest Herculean effort for me is to build a gigantic facility and not so I can have a million more animals because I want to give these guys like some serious room. That would be so cool. You know, breed in a place that looks like the Reptarium or something like that. Yeah. You know, the Brian Barchicks of the world, the Kevin McCurley's of the world, these are kids that were passionate about animals that somehow figured out how to collect them from around the world before that was a thing. That, that learned how to keep them alive. And then in some cases, like Kevin's case, learned how to connect with them on a physiological level. Yeah. A psychological level. Psychological level, yeah. Oh, physiological too, I'm sure. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but no, my, my point is, my point is like, these guys are in love with the animals. Mm -hmm. yeah. So if, if the industry is bad, if the market is bad, if the, you know what I mean? All that kind of stuff. Because like, you know, Jay Brewer, I used to work for him. I love the guy. He makes a lot of retakes. You know what I'm saying? But I'll tell you this, the retakes under his care live. Mm -hmm. And if he sold 10,000 of them and everyone else killed theirs, I worked there. He does everything he can to make sure that people know how to take care of these animals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, I continue to do that stuff today. It's so that... So it's easy to yell at two or three people that are popular on YouTube, but how do 10,000 of us change? I don't know the answer, you know, but for retics specifically, it's this, yep. you know what I mean? It's, it's these little guys, yeah. you know, and I can still keep the retics. I can help other people do the same thing, but we can do it in a way that's, you know, legit. For sure. Yeah. Was that a long enough rant for you? I think well, I was just gonna say I think that we've already gone over our time, but uh, that was my I, goal. We went over time on their Preach. podcast, yep. so I yep. think it's only Preach, it's only Preach it out. Yeah. It's not really a time on uh, our so podcast. That's at, true. <laughs> at the end of our podcast, we always ask people one very important question, mm. um, and I don't know. I feel like I might know the answer to what you're gonna say, but mm. what in the realm of reptiles, be it something that you're working with, or something that you've seen someone else working with, or uh, something in the wild that's going on, anything within the greater umbe umbrella of reptiles, what is something about reptiles that's got you excited right now? <sighs> It, eggs. No, it, those are those are cool guess, yeah. those are that's that's very african cool that's up there it's up there african house snakes is definitely on it so african house snakes for me is like a new discovery new road i don't know anything about them and i'm getting 60 more brought over oh my um, god wait, wait 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 60 more than the ones that you had when you came up and saw us yeah yeah oh 60 new goodness. ones yeah so those carampas went straight into house snakes <laughs> uh, Actually, yeah. So, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm just saying, don't ever shit on me again when I buy ten snakes, Rob. Okay. <laughs> oh, I don't do things. I don't do things easy. No, I don't do things easy. I do oh, them way this. too much. No, the thing that excites me most about the reptile industry, you know, in the beginning, everyone collected one snake and it was a pet. Nobody bred, and everybody had all this diversity. 
And then people started complaining like, oh, I hate the new, quote unquote, new. But for us now, it's all old because it's the last 20 years. Reptile shows where everything's leopard geckos and bull pythons and bearded dragons, like three species in the whole show. And it used to be hundreds. I used to go to reptile shows to see snakes where I'm like, oh, I never heard of that before. I used yep. to import snakes on my own and I would just pick all the scientific names I didn't know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, no, but but the problem was very few people followed with those species they were just collecting and that's a lot of fun and there's a lot of diversity and a lot of cool stuff to that but it might be the worst part of the hobby because it's consuming wildlife you're taking them out of the wild you're putting them in a box and you're waiting for them to die no matter if that takes two months or two years or 20 years you you're consuming wildlife um i love captive breeding I love the fact that the ball python is the perfect snake for people who weren't sure that they didn't that they like snakes and that there's enough colors of them at low enough prices that anybody can get whatever they want in a ball python mm-hmm. right now, you know. Yeah. The thing that gets me excited is that the pendulum is swinging back the other way, but it's not wild caught anymore. Mm-hmm. Captive bred Timor pythons 2500 bucks, 3500 bucks a pair. Cinzinia are ridiculously expensive. Everybody and their mom is trying so hard to make bolins. If you buy a bolins for a pet, everyone's like, I hate your guts. You should die. You know what I mean? It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I love the people that are like, you know what? If you like ball pythons, ball pythons are cool. Like, you know, guys like Kevin, what he did with ball pythons, uh, you know, Justin Kabilka is uh the man you know like these guys are doing awesome things and i love to see what they do with that stuff and and i can enjoy it from over here as their little snake uncle or lizard uncle or crocodilian <laughs> uncle but i just want you to I, I like to see when people discover what they really like and you almost like express yourself in keeping of reptiles we were joking about reptile people that are like the reptiles you're you're expressing yourself just like rob's got big hoops in his ears and all that kind of stuff or some guy with his fancy car fancy clothes fancy wife whatever yeah tattoos (laughs) piercings you know your vocabulary whatever it is the way that you express yourself you know reptile keepers that express themselves with reptiles while challenging themselves to provide the best possible husbandry to develop the market so that other people can share and learn to love the species that they work with. It's all over. Do you know what I so badly wanted to do before I got the house snakes? Cause the house snakes were a better fit R- ring neck snakes. I was like, dude, ring neck snakes are the coolest. They're so pretty. You can find them anywhere, you know, and there's morphs, there's calicos, there's albinos. No one's doing that stuff. The reason I had all those scrubs, I was like, why isn't anyone breeding scrubs? And when people started to, I was like, okay, I feel like I can let go now. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Somebody (laughs) else has got that, and that's fine. I just want them to be there for the next guy down the line. You know? So it's like, go find something you think. I mean, I don't care if it's a freaking American toad outside. You know, like, this toad's got bigger red spots than the other one. Okay. So speaking of American toads, I'm going to shout out. Uh, Spencer from Tree Frog Collective because he's got translucent American toads and albinos too. What? That's yeah. crazy. 
That's crazy. Private on Instagram, but if you follow him, Garrett, I bet you he's got some really cool stuff. I absolutely geek out of it because I would do it all if there was a hundred thousand of me. I I think I can do just (laughs) maybe one species really well because the amount of dedication it takes. I just want to see other people that do that too with what they love. That's what I love, and it's very exciting time in herpetoculture for that. For sure, hell yeah, most definitely. All right, Garrett. So if people want to find out more about you and the stuff that you're doing, where are they going to find you? Mm-hmm. reach out reptiles reach out reptiles everything Everywhere. you know yeah if you want to if you want to like binge watch a bunch of fun stuff or whatever go to youtube if you want eye candy go to instagram it's a way to do it bam. reach out reptiles boom bam that's it man. there you go dude we appreciate you being on yeah thank you so much for taking the time and hanging with us and uh and and giving me some education I've, i like getting educated so I, thank you i feel like i've gotten to know you like 10 times better in this podcast than even when we hung out well, when we were hanging out, it was Cuth- with Cusco, and he doesn't allow me to be myself. You know, in <laughs> he's in like, attempts, he's always yeah. like, "No talking about super dwarves. I want to hear about Garrett." And I was like, "You can't separate. That. It's the same thing. The, yeah. yeah, you're talking about slicing sense. DNA. Super dwarf don't and... care. <laughs> yes, and cut." That's the end of the That's episode. That's going to be a hashtag on the IG post. I'm yep. saying. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, we're going to have to do this again sometime. Thank you very much. We appreciate your time. I love you Go guys. Get some you guys are the best. I love you too, oh, man. I love you too, dude. <laughs> All right. Take care. Boom. Boom. That was a really fun episode. That was freaking awesome. That was great. That was awesome. So, uh, okay. So, if people Real. want to figure out more about what's going on with Reptile Talk, where do they need to go, Rob? They need to go to our OnlyFans, OnlyFans.com slash Reptile Talk. Boom. Check me out on Instagram at Rob is Creeping It Real. And Jeremy? Uh, at Brassman Reptiles on Instagram and YouTube. Boom. There it is. We'll see you guys next time.